0: how does revival happen? When we look across all the news and see how our world is today. And we say our country needs revival. Are we expecting someone else to start it? Are we thinking it's someone else's job? Are we wondering how could it even be done? Well, that's what I want to talk to you about today, that revival starts with us one person at a time. It starts with you, and it starts with me. But the exciting thing is we have the tools that we need to begin it today. So let's talk about that. I'll see you in a minute. Welcome to the More Power Than You Think podcast. I'm Jennifer Scow. After receiving a bipolar diagnosis in 2013, God taught me that His solution to messy life was not changed circumstances, but rather a transformation of the mind to Christ's perspective. More Power Than You Think refers to the power we have to be changed and transformed based solely on what we think and believe in our mind. Renewing the mind is so much more than overcoming thoughts of depression and anxiety, it is choosing thoughts that you unify instead of divide that love instead of hate that lead to surrender instead of pride it is the key to loving god properly to getting through suffering without accusing god or feeling like a victim the key to preventing adultery murder ruined relationships and prevents regret sin shame and guilt every single thing we do today begins with a thought in our mind and what we choose to do with it when our thoughts and beliefs are out of alignment with god we get hurt and we eat even hurt others, but our lives and the lives we impact can be transformed when we choose God's thoughts and Christ's perspective to guide us instead. On this podcast, we learn to renew the mind in every area of our lives so we can live, love, and be loved the way Christ intended. I'm not sure if you can tell by my voice, but I I have been ill <laughs> the past four or five days. And I was starting to get discouraged, quite frankly, because, you know, laying on the couch for four days and it doesn't make you feel good. You feel like, oh, can I just get on with life, please? And then when you don't feel good, your perception gets off, doesn't it? You just, everything looks bleak. And and so I started kind of falling into a pit, um, a pit of thoughts. And I was like, okay, what can I do about this? So I had actually, a couple days ago, had a window of energy and I recorded an entire podcast episode and I was really excited about it and I really felt like the holy spirit was guiding me finished it up and realized that it didn't record any of it boy was that discouraging <laughs> and that depleted my energy and back to the couch I went but again today I'm like oh I've got to do something that's profitable that's fruitful and I had listened to a lot of sermons and read a lot of my Bible on those four or five days on the couch. So God was still ministering to me and just reminded me of a truth again that, you know, revival happens when we personally become revived. And revival is not possible without God's power because it's. It's God's Holy Spirit that moves and awakens the heart to be excited and revived. And it's important that we realize that that revival can only happen by believing God. Unbelief kills revival. It kills corporate revival, it kills revival of our world and our country, and it kills personal revival. So what makes revival alive? Believing God. Believing that He is a God that has the power to change anything and everything. What brings revival? is stopping putting God in a box and putting our limitations on the God of the universe. I've taught before, and I'm not sure which episode it is, um, maybe episode four, where I talk about how believing God is what allows him to demonstrate his power. And I used the example of salvation. Now, God's power is never affected by you or me or any other domain, realm, nothing. Nothing can touch God's power. So first, let me clarify. I'm not saying that we can affect God's power. No, he remains powerful no matter what. But what I am saying is, God doesn't demonstrate that power when it's not combined with faith, when it's not combined with believing it. That doubt that comes in cannot be our lifestyle. We want a lifestyle of faith and believing God. So back to the salvation example. So when I was a lost person, God had all of His power over here for me, the power that would cover my sin with His blood, and the power that would make me His child instead of just His creation, and the power that would allow me to be in Christ and Christ in me, and the power that would allow me to be joint heirs with Christ. All of that power was not demonstrated in me or through me yet, was it? Because I had not put my faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that power never would have been demonstrated through my life if I continued to choose to not believe that promise. But when I was 15, I chose to believe that the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ was for me, and I chose to receive it. So I turned from unbelief to belief. And at that moment that I chose to believe, then God unleashed his power in my life. And all of those promises that I just mentioned became mine. He was able to demonstrate his power through me. And we see in Hebrews where God talks about how in the, in the faith chapter, is it chapter 11? I didn't take notes today because I'm having the energy to stand here in my living room and talk to you, but I did not take any notes. Um, but he lists all these things that were only possible because the men and women chose to believe that, that God was able and they did these actions through faith, which allowed God to demonstrate his power. So as I've been listening to sermons over the past four or five days being sick, God just impressed upon me again that the revival that I'm wanting in my own life and in the lives of those that are immediately around me, and then in 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 my community, and then in my in my spiritual community. You know, all of that's possible, but I have to believe it's possible. So one thing I've noticed that I do and we all do is we create these no prayer zones. We we have sections of our lives where we're faithful to go to God in prayer. and, And we invite him into that need and that area of our lives and and we believe that He will help us, but then we all have those areas where we just don't believe that God's really going to answer and do do anything and I think that sometimes we believe that it's just impossible, so maybe it's that horrible boss that is treating you badly, and you either believe that one the boss can never change or two God will never provide a different job, or maybe there's a wayward child, and you just you just don't even pray about it anymore or you pray with such little faith because you just believe god is limited he that he can't help that child that that child can't be touched by god's power or you have a spouse and you guys are having problems years have passed and you just don't believe that things can change or maybe it's your health you've suffered like the woman in the Bible with the issue of blood for so many years, and you just don't believe God can change it. Or you've lived in poverty for always. You've always lived in poverty. Money has always been a struggle, and you are just convinced that it's always going to be the same. And we completely neglect the fact that with God, all things are possible. Or let's say that we see things in our spiritual community. Now this one is personal for me. I I see a lot of things in the independent fundamental movement that are amazing, that I'm extremely grateful for, but I also see a lot of things that are causing tremendous harm and it grieves me. And I think, God, how can I make a difference? Because I'm not a preacher and I'm not a man. I don't have that authority. I'm not an evangelist that goes out and try to spread the freedom that is available in Christ. But I see our churches hurting each other. And I just wonder, Lord, how can I make a difference? And so I have limited him by my unbelief that revival isn't possible. So think for a minute what areas are you doing this to God? What areas are you limiting? God's power to bring revival. What relationships, what circumstances, what situations? Well, I decided that I don't know the answer to how it's gonna happen, but that's not my job. My job is to believe that it's possible through God if I do my part and believe that he has the power to do it. Revival is not dead in America. Revival is not dead in the world. But revival starts with us. It's not somebody else that has to get revived or get their heart right. It's us. We have to believe what's possible with God. Have you ever seen? Of course we have. We've seen the power that one person has to make an impact on thousands. Let's just take Corey Ten Boom, for example. Her decision to believe that God is a healer and that God is good despite the horrific events of the Holocaust. She has encouraged Thousands of us, and she's gone and to heaven, and she's still having an impact on this world. And she was one person who chose to believe that with God and through God, all things are possible, and we could name person after person after person after person who chose to believe God. If we just look at scripture, Joseph chose to believe God, and his faith in God allowed the whole world to be saved by, uh, from starvation. And we look at Paul, who his decision to let go of his shameful past and to claim the new identity that he had in Christ, his decision to believe that he now was new, a new creature and had a purpose and a new identity to spread the gospel has impacted every single human who has read the Bible and has impacted the gospel continuing to be spread all these years later, thousands of years later. But it had to, It was one person, one person made that decision. Now, I'm not saying that when you make that decision that you are gonna impact thousands, but you might impact someone who will impact someone who will impact thousands. We don't know that, and it doesn't even matter. Because even if we just put a bubble around us, and our immediate family and maybe our friends so our immediate community that we fellowship and talk with every day don't we want to see God's power in their lives as well i mean if that was all wouldn't that be amazing and beautiful i mean i want my family to live the best life they can for christ but it starts with believing that god can do anything and not limiting what he has available to us he wants to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. He loves to do that. And it's because he knows we think so small, and he loves to show us how big he is. You know, I love the part when Noah had gotten on the ark and God shut the door. It just reveals his power. God shut the door of that ark. I wonder what that must have been like to be inside there and you see, well, you don't see anything, an invisible source that is closing the door of the ark and how Moses and all of those people saw God part the Red Sea. I mean, that's the kind of God we have. And, and the devil has lied to us that that kind of power does not exist today, but it does It does, and I know I've heard, um, it was probably Dr. Ken Fielder, his whole ministry is getting the Word of God into other languages, and he is an avid supporter of missionaries, and he mentioned something from the pulpit one time when he was coming through our church that, you know, these miracles, we don't see them a whole lot in America. And part of it is because we're pretty content here. I mean, we can just skate by and and kind of get by without having that abundant life. And and we don't necessarily need the miracles every day because we've got gas for our cars and we can go to the grocery store and get our food and we can just go to our church 30 minutes down the road. But in these other countries where these missionaries are, they see miracles all the time because they need them. They need, the, the forces of evil are so strong there that without begging God for miracles, the oppression is too much. And and God does amazing things that we even have a hard time believing because we just don't see miracles like that. But God's power, God's power hasn't changed. It's the same as it was when He created the universe just by speaking it into existence. And that powerful voice is the same voice of God that that we have as our father and that we have as our counselor and that we have as our guide and that is in us and us in him. And I also mentioned this in the episode where I talk about how exactly to cast down your thoughts, how exactly you renew your mind. If you go back to the first four episodes of the podcast, it's going to be one of those. But I talk about how One of the reasons why we can have the victorious life is because we are now in Christ. And where is Christ? Well, Christ is on the throne. (laughs) And he says that we are in him and that we are joint heirs with him. And he says that he has dominated all principalities and powers. Death is at his feet. The devil's his footstool. The world is his footstool. I know I'm messing up all kinds of verses right now. Again, I did not take notes. I'm just trying to just rejoice in the Lord right now and share what's on my heart. But because we are in Christ, he allows us to have victory. And there's that other verse... (laughs) so vague so sorry but where god says thanks be to god who give us a giveth us the victory in christ it says something like that we are victors because we are now in christ and we are in christ because when we were saved he allowed us to be partakers in the victory that came from his death burial and resurrection that means we have access to the throne We have access to his victory over the evil of this world. It means that we can now have deep faith that moves God to take action. These are all exciting things, really exciting things. So what God has done for me is I'm looking this week at, okay, what areas in my life have I made these zones where instead of calling them no prayer zones, I'm going to call them no faith zones. Zones in my life where my faith is so small, where I have put God in a box and said, God can't do that, or God doesn't want to do that, or God isn't going to bring revival in this area, or I've been praying forever and this is not being answered, so God is not going to do it, or God can't do it, or God won't do it. Where am I doing that? And I would encourage you to do the same. I do understand that we can be of full faith and we can be patient, so, so patient with the prayer request, but God might answer no. The loved one with the cancer, God chooses not to heal. The wayward child with the drug addiction, God allows to I have a drug overdose. The teenager that we have bathed in prayer every single day for protection as they drive gets killed in a car accident. I know these things happen. And, and I, I know that God does not answer every prayer the way that we ask of it. But this, again, is an opportunity to have a revival of faith in our heart. And I know it's It's easier said than done, but it is what God expects because God is not trying to harm us. He is always good. And, you know, Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. And that's the kind of faith that God wants us to have. Now, if you're hurting because of a loss, I encourage you to get the strength and encouragement you need from God, from scripture, from a friend. But God does want us to revive, revive our hearts with the truth of his word and with the hope that, that we have being in him. And our hearts can be revived after hardships like that. And we want revival in our world because we're seeing so many things that God has allowed to take place. So this whole faith journey isn't about avoiding heartache and avoiding trials and avoiding God's answer being no. That's not what faith is. And then that would actually be an untried faith. Our our revival and our faith comes from believing God no matter what circumstance He allows. Sometimes that means the answer is no. But that's God's decision, and we're supposed to trust. One more thing, because I know this is going to come to our minds. Sometimes God waits, doesn't he? I mean, imagine if you were Joseph and all of those years, from the time that he was thrown into the pit by his brothers until he revealed to them all those years later, He probably, I don't know. I mean, God just really lets us see a very shining testimony of Joseph. But I can only imagine that a battle that he had to overcome was going to God and saying, God, how long? How long? How long? before you answer this prayer? How long before I get to see my father and my brethren? How long will I be in this prison? How long will I be in this pit? How long will I be a slave? Year after year after year after year of God not answering his prayer. But he stayed faithful. And with Abraham and Sarah, Now, when we read the Old Testament, we see that their faith wavered dramatically and they made some decisions. They took their impatience of waiting on God into their own hands and took some action that really messed a lot of things up. But something must have happened that God didn't tell us about. Because when we go into Hebrews and see the chapter of faith champions, then they're mentioned there. (laughs) And so, At some point, they must have learned to wait on God. They stopped saying, how long, how long, how long? And they just waited, because you know what? Is God's timing ever wrong? He hath made everything beautiful in His time. It's not our job to try to figure out the timing of when God is going to answer our prayer. There are so many factors involved. And it could be things like we still are praying in unbelief. It could be. But I bet it's a mixture. Perhaps it's we're still learning, so it's not quite time. Or maybe he is working, working, working in the life of the person that we're praying about or the community that we're praying about. But we just don't see that work. And... Somebody gave the example that I read recently. I think it was with rock sculpturing. And they would hammer and hammer and hammer and hammer and hammer. But then finally, with the last hammer, it would break. So were all the other times of hammering that piece of stone in vain? No, they, they were, they have it a purpose. They were serving a purpose. The first hammer didn't make the stone they were trying to remove get out of the way. It took hammer, 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 hammer to weaken. It, think of chopping a tree down, it's the same thing. You know, chop, 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 or a saw back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. How long that took to get to the result that they were desiring, which is the tree to fall down. We don't know what's happening behind the scenes of our prayers and our belief, our commitment to believing that God can do the impossible. We just have to be patient. We don't know what he's doing behind the scenes. I mean, look how long God took to lay out The preparation of Jesus finally being born on earth. That was a lot of unfolding. (laughs) And yet the promise of that birth came so many years before. Had God stopped working on it? No, he was working on it. But there was a lot of trials in between, wasn't there? Think of your own salvation. How long did that take? Now, some of you, praise the Lord, you got saved early. But even me at age 15, I know my daddy prayed for me. He got saved when I was about four years old, and I really don't have a doubt that from that time on, he was praying for my salvation. So 11 years, 11 years he prayed. But in those 11 years, you know what he watched me do? He watched me try to kill myself. He watched me become a woman, a young girl that was not pure anymore. He watched me be rebellious. And my parents were divorced, so he watched this all from afar. He couldn't even have a part of helping me to get my life back on track. It was all from a distance. All he could do was pray. That's all he could do. And I'm sure that he wanted to give up many, many times. Oh, but I'm so glad he didn't give up. He's the one who led me to the Lord. After one of my suicide attempts, I had been in the hospital for nine months, a psychiatric ward, and he called me again, and oh, I was so tired. I was so tired. This would have been the second time he had given me the gospel. And I accepted. I accepted God's gift of eternal life, finally. But my dad had to pray for 11 years, and he had to watch me suffer he even had to watch me almost lose my life. I almost died. So, don't let the devil get you discouraged. If you make this decision, I am going to believe God that he can do anything that anything's possible, that there's no situation that's not in, that's not in, no situation that's impossible to God. If you're going to make that decision, and I hope that you do, because it's really the only way to live without faith, it is impossible to please him. And it's because when we don't believe, we're calling him a liar. So when you make that decision, but yet the answer doesn't come as quickly as you'd hoped. In fact, maybe things go backwards like they did for me when my dad was watching what I was going through. I almost died. That's certainly going backwards. But he didn't give up. So don't you give up. Revival happens and can happen and will continue to happen, but it starts with us. We have to be the revival. And that revival happens by believing that God can do what he said he can do and he can do anything, he has no limits. I hope that encourages you. It's all about decisions that we make in our mind. Can you see how renewing the mind is the key to everything? Because faith is a decision. Faith is a decision that we make in our mind over and over and over again. I know that you'll get the victory. You just have to choose it. Again, I don't have any notes written down, but there's a verse that comes to mind where it says, I thought on my ways and I turned my feet. And I think then it says, unto thy statutes or unto thy ways. (laughs) It's probably in Psalms. But it's a decision. When we find ourselves doubting and getting wayward, just turn your feet and go back to what you know is true and and reclaim that faith again and believe that God can do anything. I can't believe I got through that. (laughs) You can tell my voice is tired, but praise the Lord, we're on the winning side. There is so much to be excited for, in this life no matter what our circumstances are you know before i recorded this episode uh 25 minutes ago or whatever i was really discouraged because i don't feel good so i'm really encouraged now but nothing changed can you see how my circumstance didn't change i'm still sick i'm still going to be on my couch today and all the things in my world are not lovely and perfect however the choices that i made as we were talking together, invigorated my spirit. And now I have that abundant, faith-filled mindset that comes when we decide to view life through Christ's perspective. So nothing changed in my world, but I changed. And that's the power of renewing the mind. All right, take care, and I will see you next week, friend. Thank you for taking the time to listen and connect with me today. I'm your host, Jennifer Scow. Until we meet again, I want to encourage you to invite God to everything and keep choosing loyalty to God's thoughts above your own. It is a pleasure serving with you as we fight this battle of the mind together. We are co-laborers for Christ, and we are on the winning side. Praise the Lord. I'll talk to you next week. Love, Jennifer.